Today, we're, we're, we're in a series here at Big Valley Grace where we're going through the book of Ephesians together, or the letter that Paul wrote to the Christians that were living in the town of Ephesus at the time. Uh, Paul wrote this about 2,000 years ago. He was in prison, and there's this church in Ephesus. He writes this letter, and he sends it off to them. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we're looking at it. We're studying it. This is God's word to us. And though it was written to another group of people, and there's a context in which, you know, they needed to read it, it's still applicable to us today here. And today we're going to discuss children and the role that you as parents uh, play in their lives. The Bible says this in Psalms 127, children are a gift from the Lord. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. Doesn't matter how old your kids are. They, they may be babies. They may be two, three, four. Maybe they're, you know, adolescent age, college age. Maybe they're grown or whatever. And maybe you never knew this. Maybe you never saw it in the scriptures. Maybe you never really read the Bible or anything like that. But the scriptures tell us that children are a gift from the Lord. Your, your, your kids are... A, a, a gift from God. And as I read that this week, I, I just thought that was really neat. You know, the world's out there, you know, I got all these crazy preachers on TV that'll talk about all the blessings that God wants, you know, Christians to have and enjoy and all those things. And a lot of it is just, you know, just stupid. This is, this is something that God gives us. This is a, a real gift from God, is, is, our, is our kids. And I thought about that a lot this week. But not only are, are your kids, uh, you know, a gift from the Lord, but, but God also has a thought or two on, on how you're to raise them. He just doesn't give us these gifts and then say, hey, you're on your own, you know, gut it out, figure it out, do whatever you want, doesn't matter to me. No. God, God has a, a thought or two on how we ought to raise them. And it says this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, and this is the only verse we're really going to pay attention to tonight. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up. Bring up these gifts that God has given you with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, a few weeks ago, I shared with you that the most important thing you'll ever do for your children as parents is not making sure that they live in a big house or that they have all the right clothes to wear. It's not that they attend the best schools. It's not that they have the most current Xbox or Wii games. It's not even the most important thing that you get them to church or to youth group or whatever. The most important thing that you can do for your children is to have them grow up in a God-honoring home. That's the most important thing that you can do. A home where dad has yielded his life to Jesus Christ. A home where dad makes church a priority for the family over everything else. A home where dad treats mom with great honor and respect. A, a home where dad puts the needs of his wife over his own needs. A home where mom has yielded her life to Jesus Christ. A, a home where, where, you know, mom honors dad's leadership in the home. A home where the title mommy means that you've reached the top of the corporate ladder. 
none higher, no greater title than that. A home where both mom and dad not only believe in the Bible, but they actually live out what the Bible teaches. Now, you might be here and you might be thinking to yourself, oh, man, well, I didn't do any of those things. Maybe you just came to the Lord last week. And you've got children. They're grown. And you didn't live, you didn't live that, any of that stuff. And that's okay. This isn't make, you know, meant to make anybody feel guilty or anything like that. But it's certainly just meant to make you think here for a moment. See, the greatest thing we do as, as parents or grandparents or just friends maybe that have kids or whatever is that we not only believe what the Bible teaches, but we live it out. We live it out in front of our kids. We live it out in front of our grandkids. We live it out in front of our friends or whoever, whoever it might be. You see, as a Christian, it's really easy to come into this building right here and listen to the Word of God. That's easy, right? It really doesn't take much energy to come in here and listen to the Word of God. And the, the, the church here in America, we've made it super easy. We, we've heated the building up for you so it's not too cold. We've made sure you got nice seats to sit on. We've put jumbotrons up there so that if you don't even own a Bible, we'll show you the words. We've made sure we've given you amplified sound. We've put a beautiful coffee area out there for you. We're watching your children for you. The church in America has made it really easy for you to listen to the Word of God. And there's, there's nothing wrong with having nice chairs, jumbotrons, children's ministries, coffee areas, whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. But the church in America has made it super easy for people to listen to the Word of God. Listening to the Word of God is an easy thing to do. The hard part is to get up out of your seat here in a few minutes, walk out the doors, and live it out. That's the hard part. You know, listening to God's word is, is easy. It, it's applying it. And what kids need today are moms and dads that obviously listen to the Word of God. They read the Word of God. And then they take the, what God has said, and then they live out those principles as best they can in front of their kids, in front of their neighbors, in front of the people they work with, or, or wh whoever it might be. This is what your children need. So, something beautiful happens when your children see both mom and dad, you know, living in a, in a humble way. Where, where, where both mom and dad are, are living a holy, God-honoring life. Just something really beautiful happens at, at, at that moment. Now, I want to lay a little foundation for you. The Bible says this in Psalms 139. You, that's God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship, God, is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Beloved, God knows about your children. He created them. In fact, he knows them so well, he knows exactly how long they're going to be here on planet Earth. When they were inside, you know, mama's womb, he's the one who put them together. He's the one that wove them together. 
Not only are they gifts to us, but he created them for us. God said this through the great prophet Jeremiah, before I made you in your mother's womb, there's that thought again, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah was appointed to be a prophet to the nation, and, 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 and this appointment came before he was ever conceived. And this is true for you. Before you were ever born, God had a calling on your life. You may not know what that calling is. You may still be searching for it, but I guarantee you that God has a calling on your life. God has a will for your life. It's found in here. Sometimes it can be difficult to find. Sometimes when you find it, it's not really fun to live out. But God has a will for your life, a purpose for your life. And I want you to know that he has a calling on your child's life. And he had that calling on your child's life before they were ever conceived. Pop! You know, I don't know how that works. I don't know. My brain is just, I'm a humanoid. I don't get it. I just know that before Gracie, my daughter over here, was ever conceived, before she was ever a twinkle in my eye, God knew her. God had appointed her to some work. Now, some of your children might be appointed to be doctors, other construction workers, other salespeople, other mechanics, other pastors, other missionaries. Some might be politicians. I, I don't know what they're called to do. And you may not know what they're called to do, but God has a calling on their life. You can't miss it. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 2, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. It was so long ago that God had a plan for your child. He had that plan before they were ever conceived. He knew them because he's sovereign. So here's my point in all of this. God has entrusted you with your kids. He, he gave them to you as, as gifts, and, and he has a plan for their lives. And he's given you the responsibility to raise them and to help them find or discover what God's calling is on their lives. Proverbs chapter 22 says this, train children to live the right way. And when they're old, they will not stray from it. And that is a proverb, it's not a promise. But I've done this long enough to know that, that this is absolutely true. You, you train a child in the right way. They, they may get off track for a while. They, they may go down a, a path that's not necessarily right for a while, but usually they come back. Usually. God wants you as a parent or a foster parent or a grandparent or a, a guardian or us as a church to teach our children how to live which is super important because if we don't teach them how to live, let me tell you who will. Hollywood will. And they're doing it right now. And if not Hollywood, it'll be the music industry. They have no problem teaching your children what's right, what's wrong, all that kind of stuff. The government's trying to teach your children what's right and what's wrong and all that kind of stuff. 
Our government's so screwed up, you, you, you can't even figure it out anymore. What's good is now evil, and what's evil is now good. It's unbelievable. Look, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, guardian, parent, I don't care who you are, if you don't take the responsibility to raise your children, somebody's going to. It's already happening, or it's already happened. God wants you to be the one to help them discover his plan or his will for their lives. Let me remind you what Proverbs chapter 14 says. It's a passage I come back to all the time. The Bible says that there's a path before each person, this includes your children, that seems right, but in the end, it just, it's just death. It's just no good. You see, you see before every child just like before you as an adult, there are paths, there, there are things that just seem right. This just seems logical. It seems like the right thing to do. But according to God and his word, it's not the right thing to do. In fact, it's, it's, the, it's the wrong thing to do. It'll just goof you up, mess you up, mess up your kids. The Bible says this in Psalms chapter 119, keep me from deceitful ways. Beloved, there are deceitful ways out there. There are things that are, are crummy out there, and God wants you as a parent to help your kids see these deceitful ways that are out there. For some of you, your children are so young, you know, as I've shared with you before, they'll walk around on the carpet and pick up lint. Because they don't know. It looks like a piece of candy to them. Seems okay. But, but they don't know because they're just children. And so God says, here's this gift to you. You're the ones that are trying to, you're the ones I've, I've given the responsibility to to help them, you know, see what, what's right and what's wrong. There's deceitful ways out there. There's deceitful things out there. It doesn't matter whether the government says they're legal or not. You as a parent are the ones that are to help them understand right, wrong, all those kinds of things. Romans chapter 28 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. Beloved, this is the, the big goal, if you will, for us as humans. He, he wants us to become like his son. Now, we're never going to be his son. Your children are never going to be his son. But the goal is that our lives are transformed more and more and more into the image of Christ. You see, in Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden, when, when Adam and Eve ate the, the, the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat, they blew God off, that ruined the image. It marred the image. And the whole purpose of Christ coming and dying on a cross was to restore the image. The image had been marred. And so God now comes and he wants us. There's a purpose to this thing called life. There's a purpose to this thing, uh, uh, you know, about inviting the Lord into your life. And that is, is that you're more and more transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That you become like Jesus Christ, kind of a thing. God wants your children to develop his character 
He wants your children to think the way he thinks. He wants your children to act the way he acts. He wants your children to feel the way he feels. He wants your children to develop his values. His values. Not Hollywood's values, not the music industry's values, not the government's values, but his values. See? Now, without a doubt, it, it, it isn't an easy thing to, to do. It's hard to raise your children. It's hard to raise your children to live God-honoring lives. It's hard to raise your children to follow the Lord and his plan for their lives. And what I want to just maybe end with is why. Why is it so hard or difficult to teach or raise our children or our grandchildren or those children that maybe God has put over us? If you're a Sunday school teacher, why is it so difficult at times to get children maybe to learn or become like Jesus or whatever that might be. Well, let me give you three things. Three things that influence your children and make it hard. Number one, the worldly culture around them. These are external influences. There was a time when kids grew up on a farm, right? And the only influence on their lives were, were basically their parents and, and teachers and their neighbors. These people, especially parents and teachers, controlled all the information that a child would be exposed to. I want you to think. I just want you to think. If you were the enemy, what would you do? How would you somehow influence these people, these little children who will eat limp, who don't, who don't know anything? Just, just keep this in the forefront of your mind. You see, it was back you know, many years ago that moms and, 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 and teachers and parents, they knew what was appropriate for children to see and they knew what was appropriate for children to hear and they were very careful about what they exposed children to. Very careful. They controlled the secrets of life until a child was ready to hear them and understand them. It used to be called... Uh, controlled exposure. Today we might call it protecting the moral innocence of a child. And I'm all for that. I'm always told about how crummy having a Christian school is. <laughs> because, I mean, kids are growing up in the real world, man. And I always think, man, what an idiot. Uh, we're, we're doing our best to protect the, the information that children are going to see in here. I realize the culture is out of control. I get it. But I'm going to make sure that when they're here, that we're going to do our best to protect their moral innocence. It's unbelievable what children see today. Children see today in schools and are exposed to. Now, let me give you a, a great example of what I'm talking about. Uh, there was, used to be a TV show called, and some of you young kids ain't going to know it, but it was called I Love Lucy. <laughs> and uh, I Love Lucy was really the number one show back in the 50s. I think it last aired in, in 1960, but during the 50s, it was like the number one show. And the two main characters were a husband and wife, Ricky and Lucy Ricardo, okay? And... Um, on the show, whenever they went into their bedroom, they slept in two separate beds. They also did this on another show called The Dick Van Dyke Show, which was a ginormous 
you know, ratings hit. And the purpose of it wasn't to somehow say to adults, you need to sleep in two separate beds. That wasn't the purpose. The purpose was they knew children were watching and they were trying to protect them. In fact, when Lucy got pregnant, she could not say the word pregnant on air. Not because adults didn't know what the word pregnant was. Adults obviously knew what the word pregnant was. It was to protect the children who would watch the show because maybe a child would hear that word and they weren't at an age where they would understand it or could understand it or even should understand it. And so they were protecting the moral innocence of children. That's what the networks did back then. Times are different. What kids see and hear on TV today is unbelievable. Sex, nudity, violence, murder, adultery, drugs, crummy language. Unbelievable, isn't it? What kids hear today in music is unbelievable. What kids see on, you know, video games is unbelievable. Just think about what our children had to learn about abortion. Kids. We're telling them about it. Because you've got to tell them about it when you're killing a million babies every year. Some of them are, are children themselves. Neil Postman said this, and having access to the previously forbidden fruit of adult information, children have been expelled from the garden of childhood. That's pretty much true. But there's no doubt that the culture around our kids is having an impact on them, which, make, which makes it pretty tough to raise them. It makes it very tough to raise them in a way that would honor the Lord because we're living in a culture that doesn't even care about God anymore. Just totally been, you know, wiped out. Number two... Their sinful nature, this is an internal influences that makes it really hard to train up children the way they're supposed to go or to live God-honoring lives. And for some of you, you're going to get up and walk out with what I say next. This is going to be hard. I'm going to get emails. I'm going to get texts. I'm going to get phone calls. But here goes, okay? Hopefully, we took all the tomatoes out of your purses, ladies, because I, I, you know, I'm, still, I'm still pretty good up here. Children aren't holy little angels. They're, they're sinful little people. <laughs> Spoken by a dad who gets it, right? No child ever comes into the world seeking after God. One did. We're going to celebrate his birth here in about a month. Psalms 51 says, King David said, when I was... For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Now, he's not saying that when the husband, when his father and mother, you know, made love and the microscopic sperm and the microscopic egg came together, that somehow that was sinful. That's not sinful. It's a beautiful thing. What he's saying is, is that when that microscopic sperm and that microscopic egg got together, boom! 
At that very moment, not only was there the genetic code for how tall you'd be or how short you'd be or what color your hair would be or what color your eyes would be, all that kind of stuff, but you also had what was known as a sinful nature. See, a baby isn't born and then there comes a moment, you know, when they're two or five or 12 or whatever when they finally sin and then we go, oh, look, he's a sinner. No, 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 no. At the very moment of conception, at that very moment, they have a sinful nature. At that very moment. Romans chapter 3 says, there's no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks after God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one, not even one. Romans chapter 3 goes on to say, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Friends, this is a, a critical biblical concept. Nobody comes into the world seeking God. Nobody. Nobody. Everybody is a slave to his or her own sin. Everybody is. Mankind is totally depraved and unable to grasp God. And this includes your children. The Bible says this in Jeremiah 17. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It's desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? All this to say that, that yes, the cultural culture around your children makes it very difficult to raise them in a God-honoring way, but then they also have to deal with their sin. Just as you deal with your sin even today as an adult. They need, your, your kids need the power of God working in their lives, and it's your responsibility as a parent to lead them to Jesus Christ and to teach them the, 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 the way of, of Christ. This is a huge responsibility, and I'm going to talk more about it in just a moment. And number three, the third thing that influences your, your children is Satan and the demonic. The culture around them is obviously influencing them. It influences you. Sin within them influences them. It influences you. And then you got Satan and the demonic. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Satan, it says, who is the God of this world. He's blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Well, that's just, that's just some interesting data that God gives us. 1 John chapter 5 says, We know that we are children of God and that we, and that we the, the, the whole world, is under the control of the evil one. Boy, Christian, you ever thought about that? You see, one of the reasons why we pray, oh God, may your will be done in heaven as it is on earth is because God's will isn't being done here on earth. There's another force at work here on planet earth. There's a, there's a force at work that impacts your life and make no mistake about it, it impacts your child's life. 
Peter said, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, to devour. Look, you can't underestimate the power and the influence of the enemy on your life or your family's life or the life of your children. You can't do it. Now, typically, you know, most people probably get up and they don't even think about the culture that they're running out into. They don't think about their own sin that lives within them. And they don't think about the, the, the enemy that's out there that's, you know, running around like this lion that we're given this great imagery of. They don't really think about that. I can guarantee your kids don't. If you're not, then probably your kids aren't. Now let me tell you what one of Satan's great, maybe his greatest weapon is, and that's deception. Listen to what the Bible says. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. That's true for your children, but it's also true for you as an adult. Galatians chapter 6 says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man's going to reap what he sows. A woman's going to reap what they sow. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, Don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Deuteronomy chapter 11 says, Don't be deceived or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. You can't miss what God's saying. Over and over again, he says, don't be deceived, don't be deceived, don't be deceived, don't be deceived. And the reason why God tells us, his people, don't be deceived, don't be deceived is because human beings have an incredible capacity to be deceived. We'll go down crummy paths that we think are right. We'll think logically about something, even though God says, no, 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 no. I don't care what the world's doing. I don't care if that seems logical. Here's what I say. You just, you just do what I say. No, 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 no. We deceive ourselves into thinking that we're smarter than God or that, you know, this is an old book. Come on. You don't really believe that. All of it, do you? I mean, I believe some of it, right? But all of it? We begin to deceive ourselves into thinking. And guess what? Your children can do that too, easily. See, God wants you as parents to be the one that teaches them the truth because here's the deal. They may grow up in a Christian home. They may give their life to Christ or whatever, but because of the worldly influences and because of sin and because of Satan and the demonic, they can easily be deceived and enticed to go maybe down a road that really isn't sound. Seems good, it's cool, it's got all the right, you know, stuff, but really it's not sound. Here's the bottom line. When you put the worldly culture that your child's growing up in together with their sinful nature and you add in the, you know, the demonic into the mix, it's not going to be easy to train up your child. But God calls you to do it. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, you bring them up with the discipline and instructions that comes from the, the Lord. 
We've been given a command from God Almighty. This is a, a huge responsibility that God wants us to fulfill. He expects us to raise our children to the glory of God, as difficult as it might be. The beautiful thing is he thought up this thing called the church, the bride of Christ. We come together, and right now, guess what we're doing? We're, you know, we're undergirding what you've been teaching your children, hopefully. Right now, in all the children's areas, we're teaching them biblical stuff, Bible stuff, love God, all those kinds of things. The church is here to be a blessing to one another, you see. You can't pull it off on your own. You need the church. And so we're doing our best right now to care for your kids and all that kind of stuff. Now let me engage your mind for just a moment here. What do, you, what do your children see in your life? What, what do your children hear coming from your lips? Just think about that for a moment. Once again, it's not made to, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. It's not the point. Just think. You're here. You're giving up an hour and a half of your life. I just want to challenge you. There's a lot of churches where you can go and hear a song and leave. Go there. I want, you, I want to challenge your thinking. I want you to engage your brain and think here for a moment. What do, what do your kids see? What are they hearing? Is it godly? Does it honor Jesus? What example are, are you setting for your kids, for your grandkids? I want to look back at something that Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, because I think it gives us as parents, especially as dads, some great wisdom or advice. Ephesians 5 says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that'll just ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 15 are those great words, so be careful how you live. Men, the only way your children will ever see you live in a life that honors God is that you've got to be very careful how you live, right? You can't act thoughtlessly. You can fill your life with all kinds of stuff, but you better fill it with the Holy Spirit because the only way you're going to pull this thing off is, is you've got to be filled with God's Spirit. The question is not, are my kids listening to me? They are. You're teaching your kids something. The question is not, are my kids watching me? They are. You're living out some life principles in front of them. The question is, what are you teaching your kids? What are your kids observing about your life or your grandkids or whoever it might be? That's the question you've got to kind of wrestle around with. There's no greater influence on, on kids and, you know, moms and dads. You can have a great youth pastor. You can have great children's ministries. You can have great mentors and all that kind of stuff. But we don't even come close to the influence that a parent has on their kids. We don't even come close. In Matthew chapter 14, we read the horrible story of the beheading of John the Baptist. Uh, uh, by uh, a man by the name of Herod put John in prison, and one day a young gal danced before Herod, and he granted this young gal a wish, any wish. And it says this in verse 8, just powerful. Prompted by her mother, 
She said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. I thought about that. Prompted by her mother. Boy, there, there's, a, there's a winner for you. You may not be prompting your children to do something this evil, but here's the deal. We're all prompting our children to do something. Nobody's going to be the perfect parent. Nobody's going to do it perfectly. Nobody. There will be moments, if I could use this word, when we'll probably prompt our kids to do something crummy. No one's going to do it perfectly. But look, we've got to be careful how we live. So that when we do prompt our children, our grandchildren, whoever it might be, we're prompting them to do what God wants them to do. That we're training them up, you see, to, to live like God wants them to, to, to live. So let me give you three practical things here in the few minutes I've got here, okay? Three things that you need to teach your kids, real quick. Number one, teach your kids that they're sinners. And this is important. This is, this is so important. Romans chapter 5 says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Beloved, at the very moment Adam disobeyed God, sinned against God, it brought evil into the world, which messed up everything. It stained everything, including you and your children. And your children need to know this. They need to understand this. The Bible says, for everyone has sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. The great prophet Isaiah said, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We've all left God's paths to follow our own. Listen to me, parents. Your children need to know that it's sin that causes them to think the crummy things that they, they think. It's sin that causes them to do the crummy things they do. It's sin that causes them to disobey. It's sin that causes them to lose their temper. It's sin that causes them to do all the crummy things, you know, that, that people do on, on TV. It's sin that causes people to do and say, you know, all the crummy things that, you know, people do to each other. They need to know where does that come from? They need to understand that. You see, we as Christians, we've got a, an answer to, to the question of evil. Now, the world doesn't like the answer, but we've got one. That it's sin. Son, daughter, here's why you will disobey. Here's why you will think what you think and do what you do. It's because of sin. They need to get it. You need to teach your children that sin will manifest itself in evil and wicked thoughts, fleshly impulses, ungodly desires, foolish and hurtful action, unwholesome words, you see. Now they have an explanation as to why they're thinking the way they're thinking and doing the things that they're doing. It's sin. You just took them back to the very first book of the Bible, the third chapter of the Bible, Genesis 3, you see. They need to understand that they violated God's law, and because of this violation, God's not happy. You may not be happy, but God's not happy. They need to get that. They need to understand that they aren't alone in this predicament, that all of us have sinned, and that includes you as a parent. T trust me, as you get older, as they get older, they're going to see that. They're going to figure that out. 
Number two, you need to teach your kids that their sin comes with, with consequences. They need to understand that disobeying God isn't funny. It isn't something to joke about. God is angry at sin, you see. The, the wrath of God is coming because of sin. God will judge sinners. They need to know that. Your child needs to know that because of sin, life's going to be hard. People die. Diseases overcome us. They need to understand that God will punish sin. They need to understand that the reason they get punished is because of sin. Listen to what God says. By the way, every time you spank your child or punish your child, you're illustrating this truth that sin will be punished. Listen to what God's word says. If you don't punish your son, you don't love him. If you do love him, you will correct him. Proverbs 19 says this, discipline your children while they're young enough to learn. If you don't, you're helping them to destroy themselves. Man, I just hate it when people tell me the Bible's old and it doesn't, it's not applicable and, it, you know, it just doesn't, not for today. Proverbs 22 says, children just naturally do silly, careless things, right? They're sinful. But a good spanking will teach them how to behave. Yeah, yeah. Proverbs 23 says, don't fail to discipline your children. They won't die if you spank them. Physical discipline may well save them from death. Now, I realize that when you talk about this, we need to be very, very careful. Because you can take this biblical principle to a place that's evil and wicked and sinful. And let me tell you something, mom, dad. Don't think that God ain't watching when you're spanking your children. They're watching. It better be done in a God-honoring way. Because if it's not, let me just tell you something. Uh, you'll reap what you sow. But let me tell you something. Man, I grew up in an era, man, Fremont Elementary School, I was spanked. <laughs> I'm still here, didn't die. Was it embarrassing? You bet. Was there shame involved in it? You bet. That's the point, that's part of the point. Man, I got hauled up, uh, Mrs. Robillard, hauled me up, my like third grade teacher, whatever, hauled me up right in front of the class. There's a whole class, there wasn't, you didn't go to the, the, the vice principal, they didn't even have them back then. Now you got 12 of them. And they, 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 you went to, you, I didn't go to the principal. Mrs. Robillard just pulled me up to the front of the thing, bent me over, bing, bing, bing. Turn around, you're all embarrassed, you know. You go back to your chair, you don't know what to do at recess because you feel like an idiot. <laughs> By the way, when I got home, I got it again. My mom didn't, ask, didn't even ask for my, hey, what was your side of the story? She didn't care what my side of the story was. If the teacher said it, done deal. Today, everybody wants my little angel, you know. My little angel never do that. Jeez, unbelievable. Look, when, when your child sins, it's important that they get punished for it, whatever the punishment is. How's that? Because that teaches them a biblical truth that sin comes with punishment. And number three, 
Teach your kids that they need to repent of their sin and invite Jesus into their lives. You can teach your kids a lot of things, but you need to teach them that they're sinful, there's consequences that come with sin, and that they need Jesus. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world. We were already condemned because of our sin. But he sent his Son to save the world through him. Isn't that beautiful? Doesn't everybody need to know that? Don't you think kids need to know that? But they have to understand the bad news. Sin and consequence of sin before the good news kind of makes any sense. I want everybody to stand. And I'd like for us to say these three things out, 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 loud, together, out loud together, okay? Here we go. Number one, teach your kids that they're sinners. Number two, teach your kids that sin comes with a consequence. And number three, teach your kids that they need to repent of their sin and invite Jesus into their lives. Let me tell you something, Mom, Dad. You, you, you do those three things right there, and there's a lot of things that we need to be teaching our children, lots of things. But I can't think of three that would be more important than that. I think the fact that Jesus came and lived and died is, you know, because we're sinful is an important thing. That there's a consequence and that they need Christ in their own lives. Hey, I'm going to pray, and then my wife is going to be in the fireside room. You need to take advantage of that. I'm going to tell you right now, you, you won't be any more than about 15 minutes, but it'll be worth it if you've never heard the, the story behind the three gifts and how it all how it all works and all that. Father, thanks, God, for a chance to be together and sing, God, give and pray and hear your word, Lord, and be challenged as parents or grandparents or guardians or future parents or whatever, Lord. I'm thankful for the church that we can come together and help each other be good parents. It's not easy. Father, thank you for your goodness. Um, and Lord, I look forward to uh, this season where we celebrate you coming into the world, Lord. And I pray this in your name and all the God's people said. Amen. Amen. Hey, Lord, bless you guys, okay? Live for Jesus.